It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. I don't know about you, but um, it took me five years to get over what I call PTCD, post-traumatic Carol's disorder. I used to be in retail, and I um, and I was there for a while, and a manager in Kmart. Um, and we got there at 7.30 in the morning and we would finish at about 9.30 at night for uh, six days leading up to Christmas. And let me tell you, carols, 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 carols. I would hear a carol and I would start to shake. But when you stop and listen to the message, it's powerful. Hey, I, I just got lost in that first, that first carol that the guys sung. I mean, you just want to shout out. God, is, he's amazing. And, and so that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is a powerful song because we should be shouting it from the mountaintops. You know, last week, um, at, uh, if you're fortunate and you live in WA like we do, and we've been able to enjoy carol still in many places, and up in Kalamunda on the mountain, on the hill, we actually had carols by candlelight. About, we guess, between three and 4,000 people turned up. It was massive. And it was something God relayed on my heart that we should just bless our community and sing that song, The Blessing, over our city. And, uh, and we had the Elevate Worship Team. Come on. They were good. They sang The Blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And it was sung over our city of Kalamunda and flowed down the hills over the city of Perth. Because we have a message to tell. And we need a shout out from the mountains. You see, the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, was actually written by a guy called John Wesley Ward. He was a professor from Nashfield. I love that word, Nashfield. He was a professor. In about 1865, he wrote this. It was an a American, um, African-American spiritualist, a spiritual song. And it was uh, written really reflecting the heart of the African people, the, uh, the um, African-American people at the time. And they sung it, and it was actually about the shepherds out there in the paddock seeing the glory of God come upon and speak onto them about this great event that was about to happen, and they wanted to go and tell it. And the song has been changed around a little bit, but it's still the same message. Go tell it on the mountain. If you're a Christian, go tell it on the mountain. But what's the message that we're telling? You see, for those at that time, it would have been from the slave era. And they understood and they related to the shepherds, who themselves would have been separated and isolated and, in a sense, racial outcasts. They were sitting in the paddock and the spirit and the angel of the Lord came and spoke to them. And so the African-American slaves at that time would have gone, we understand that. 
that even in my paddock of slavery, we have a message. That even in this place of isolation, I have a message to shout. And I want to ask the question as I ask myself the question, I hope that the message of God into my life hasn't dwindled so much that I don't shout it anymore. Because we've got a message to shout. We've got a message to sing out. And the world right now, like never before, is crying out for this message, which can get caught up. So what's the message of your encounter with God? And what would you shout it from the mountaintops? What would you speak out? Go tell it from the mountains. What paddock are you sitting in? Would it take you to a scripture that probably most of us would, uh, would probably go over fairly quickly? It's in Matthew. Matthew was one of the disciples, as you know, one of the guys that hung around Jesus for a fair bit. He was a tax collector, a Jewish man. He understood Jewish law. He was intelligent. And so when he wrote the gospel, what we call the gospel of Matthew, he wrote it to the Jewish people and he was trying to say something. He was shouting from the mountain. And he starts off with a genealogy. Now, if you're like me, genealogies are flaming boring. I mean, I don't even know the names, right? And if you want a good sleep, read. I, I feel like saying to poor old Matthew, mate, mate if you're writing a book, don't start there. Because you're just gonna, you're gonna lose me. You're gonna lose me before you before you get me. Um, but there's a message in here. There's a message in Matthew one that we could miss out on if we don't look at it carefully. So if you open up your scriptures or your your iPads or you go to your apps that you've got and go to Matthew chapter one. And let's have a look at seeing what the message that maybe a Jewish person, that maybe we could get, the message that we have to shout, we could get from Matthew 1 if we studied it. It starts off here. This is a record of the ancestry of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, Jewish person, you go, whoa, this is interesting. Let's see where he comes from because that's really important to us. A descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. We're doing pretty good right now, okay? That sounds pretty good to me. Yep, Jesus comes from David, king. And also Abraham, well, he's a good bloke for the Jewish people. He was the father of the Jewish people. So, yep, that's really good stuff. We started off well. Let's keep going because it's looking pretty darn good. I reckon this guy could be the Messiah if he came from that line. But let's keep moving along. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Yeah, we know that. Jacob's a pretty good guy. Jacob was the father of Judah. Well, we know about Judah, don't we? If you read the scriptures, you'll know a little bit more about him. Check him out. And his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Sarah, whose mother was Tamar. Hang on, hang on, hang on. See, you don't talk about mums, Right? It's always you are the father of, the father of, he's the father of, it's the father of, it's always the blokes. But for a Jewish person to actually look at who the mother was, Matthew, why have you put that in there? Why have you put, and not just the mother was Tamar, but who was Tamar? Mate, if you want to read the scripture, you go back to Genesis, I think it's about 28, you'll check it out for me. It's not a great story because you see, it wasn't Judah's wife. 
Here's a skeleton in the closet. It wasn't Judah's wife. It was his daughter-in-law. Yay, yay, yay. What's going on here? And not only that, you see what the story was. Judah decided that he needed some extracurriculum activity and decided to go and find a prostitute. And so he went and found a prostitute. Just so happens that Tamar, who really, really wanted, because, because her husband had passed on and she still wanted to have children in the line of Judah, so, so she pretends she's a prostitute. And she gets pregnant to her father-in-law. Ah, this, this, this is Jesus' genealogy. This is where Jesus comes from. He's actually in the line of a, hang on, Perez was mother was a daughter. I mean, that's really crazy stuff, isn't it? A lady who was in a paddock of feeling left out is actually in the genealogy of Jesus. Why would Matthew want to say that except this? He wants to let you know that Jesus is actually related to all people, no matter who you are. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. And I should go to my notes, shouldn't I? It really would be good. Keep going, Steve. Is there a next, a next, did I not put that in there? Okay, here we go. Ram was the father of Aminadad. Aminadad was the father of Nahashon. See, you get lost in these words. Nahashon was the father of Salom. Salom was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Hang on a minute. Here's another lady. Here's mother in there. Why are you putting her in there? Rahab, who was she? Sorry, we got, who was Rahab? Rahab, another prostitute. Stone the crows. And not only that, she was a Canaanite. She wasn't even a Jewish person. And this line's getting a bit messed up now. This is getting really confusing. Boaz was the father of Obed, Ob um, whose mother was Ruth. Let's chuck another one in there. Who was Ruth? She, another, she wasn't a Jewish lady. No, she was a Moabite. You might know the story of that one. She was a Moabite and she ends up getting um, related to Boaz because Boaz feels sorry for her and there's a great story behind that. And then we keep going. Obed was the father of Jess. Jess was the father of King David. Whoa, here comes Dave. Dave was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba. Why another woman in there? And what was this woman? Well, we know this story. Dave was looking over the fence and sees a lady. Thinks she's pretty good, has sex with her, hides it. You see, in this story, the thing that we have to shout, the reason why the people that wrote that song right at the beginning understood it was they knew what it was like to be people unworthy of being connected with the Messiah, with the King, with Jesus. Jesus is related to all. You see, the perfect came through the imperfect for the imperfect. The perfect Son of God is in line 
But he came from the imperfect for the imperfect. He came for you and I. We don't have to be perfect to know Jesus. And that's why you can shout it from the mountaintops. That's why you can sing it out because there's a story here. You don't have to be a churchgoer to know the story of Jesus. You don't actually have to be born into a Christian family. It's for all people because that's who he came for. I want to just dig through this a little bit for because there is more to this. You see, first of all, Jesus relates to all people. He relates to all people. You know, there was all the women in there. You've got a Moabite, you've got a Canaanite, and then you've got a Gentile. He didn't, wasn't just for the Jewish people. This would have been a shake-up if you were listening to this. People that were felt like they were racial outcasts. Maybe in your mind you felt like you've been a racial outcast sometimes. Maybe you've been sitting in a paddock of feeling like you weren't good enough, that you were an outcast, that you'd been separated for some reason because that's who Jesus came for. He came for the moral people who were morally outcasts, immoral people who were morally outcasts. You know, if you look at, the, look at the miracles Jesus did, he connected with lepers who were outcasts, blind people who were seen as sinful and, and untouchable. He came to relate to the untouchables. You know, last week I was really moved by, and I've been moved all this year, by a number of people in our community who feel that they are outcasts from Christian communities. A lady came up to me um, last Sunday night just to tell me that, hey, you know what? I'm over church. What? Because I was told I wasn't good enough. And Jesus says the opposite. Jesus says the opposite. He came for those who feel like they're outcasts. He's come for those who are disenfranchised from church. He's come from those who feel like they're not part of the community of faith anymore. He's come to, that's what we've got to shout out. That's the story. That's the story of Christmas. And let's not put people down. Let's pull people up and say, he's come for you. And you don't have to be good enough. You are just going to be you. You don't have to be perfect because he came for the imperfect. If you're perfect, you haven't got a place. Sorry. But if you're imperfect, you're on. That's the ones he come for. Go tell it on the mountain. He's come for those who feel like maybe they're outcasts. Maybe they're not acceptable. What paddock are you in? What paddock is your neighbour in? What paddock are people sitting in feeling like, man, I'm not good enough? You know, there's another one there too. As you go further and you look at the story of David, Jesus came to rescue people. He came to rescue people. He's come to rescue you and me. He tells the story of Matthew, brings up the story of David where everybody knew about David and that's why he had to chuck in the name Bathsheba. Got it right. Got rid of the Beths. Why? Because see, this is what the story happens. You see, David is there, King David. Now, he should be out at battle, but he's not. He's at home while the whole, the whole army are out 
at the battlefields, many losing their lives. He looks over the fence and sees this beautiful lady bathing. Decides that that looks pretty good and he's probably bored, so he goes and has a relationship with her. Now she gets pregnant and he's in big trouble. So the husband, he calls the husband in, sees the, talks to the husband and says, what's happening out in the battlefield, mate? He goes, oh, it's really good, you know, when this is happening, that's happening. He said, listen, go have a treat. Go home and spend time with your wife. Sounds good, but you see, this soldier was a real soldier. And he said, no, I don't do that while my mates are out there in the battlefield. I'm not going to do that. So he sleeps outside of the house. So he doesn't have a relationship with his wife because that would be wrong if you're a military man. So Dave hears about this and goes, well, this can't be right. So he, he gets him drunk and sends him back home again. And there's still this soldier man says, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay outside because my mates are out there dying on the battlefield. So he says to him, oh, what if Dave goes, what am I going to do now? So he comes up with this great idea. He says, come to see, he brings the soldier in. Uriah says, mate, I want you to take a letter to the commander in chief. This is the letter I want to take, take to him and it's sealed. Takes the letter and the commander-in-chief out in the battlefield gets the letter. It says, put this one right out front. So he did, right out the front of the battlefield and he dies. Dave's plan works and now he can marry Bathsheba and it can look like it's all kosher. But unfortunately it wasn't because, you see, a prophet by the name of Nathan comes along and he comes up with this crazy story and Dave gets upset about this story and says, oh, that guy, he should be killed. He said, mate, that's you. You're the one who has dishonoured. I want to tell you a little secret. There's a secret in your heart. You're broken. You've sinned. You've, you've, you've done wrong, David. And David wrote Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, he says this. He says, Have love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the sin, the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and day night. There's something we don't talk much about in church anymore, and I think we do. Something I'm learning from hanging around with the guys at Shalom is there's stuff inside that's haunting us day and night. There's things that we know we may not, shouldn't have done, things that we've said that we shouldn't have said, ideas that we've had that we shouldn't have had, things that guys have looked at and, we're, and, and women and we shouldn't have looked at, and it haunts us but we keep it as a secret and we hide the secret and it impacts us. And most depression and anxiety and, and, and panic attacks are generally caused by stuff that is hidden inside. Jesus came to shine the light in our hearts, not to condemn us, but to free us. You see, we're afraid that we might get condemned. He's coming. I came to set you free. But I've got to shine the light in the dark places that are haunting you. 
You see, that's the good news. It's not about condemnation. It's about relationship and freeing us up. It's about letting out that stuff that, that we've been hiding. And David hid it. And he hid it until God came along and sent the prophet to speak into his life. Christmas is about rescuing us from the stuff that's destroying us. That's the good news. I, I think it's great news. But sometimes we still try and hide it. We, we suffer from this whole, whole idea of the imposter syndrome. We try and look good on the outside, but on the inside we know it ain't too good. Jesus came to set us free. That's the good news. He came to rescue us from the stuff that's pulling us down. But the other interesting thing is he came to give you rest. Have a look at this. If you go back down to, the, to um, verse 17 of Matthew verse seven, uh, 1, verse 17, it says this. The last part says, All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to Babylon exile, and 14 from the Babylon exile to the, the Messiah. This is kind of interesting. You see, 14 is part of 7. 7 in the Scriptures, numbers are really important. 7 was a really significant time. 7, it took 7 days. On the 7th day of creation, what did God do? He rested. Who was there? Jesus was there. We know that. We've read that in the Scripture. Jesus was there at creation, and they made the world, and on the seventh day, they rested. Seven was really important. Seven is part of the Jubilee year. Jubilee years are the years where all your debts are taken off. Now, you want a Jubilee year if you're into Christmas because your debts are pretty, pretty high. But the Jubilee year was good. It was about resting. It was about letting go of stuff. It was about getting rid of debts. Seven was a significant number. And here you see multiples of seven. 14, 14, 14, 42. Jesus is stepping into the seventh of the seven, which is the time of rest. What's the rest from, Steve? The rest is simple. The rest is the rest from having to struggle with religion. You see, religion is hard work. Because religion says, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do that to get right. And Jesus came along and said, I'm going to give you rest. You've been working too hard at trying to get yourself right. You see, it's not about working at salvation anymore. It's about relationship and receiving salvation because God has come to earth and he's taken our stuff. He's taken the things that are in our hearts. He's got rid of those. And this is your gift. The greatest gift of all. You can rest from trying to get it right and you can rest on the righteous one himself who's already done it right. That's the rest. If only we would actually come to him. This is our, this is our song. This is our carol. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. You can rest in him. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the good news. This is what we're going to shout from the mountaintop. This is what you're going to shout with your neighbours. This is what you're going to share with people. Yeah, we've got great opportunities. I, I'm a bit ripped off this year because this is my, 
Christmas is my favourite time of the year. I love speaking at Christmas time because I think it's fantastic. Christmas Day, spectaculars that we used to have. This year, I've, I'm just going to go and watch. But I thought to myself, I still got opportunity. I can still speak it out to my neighbours. So we've got a we've got a neighbourhood barbecue tonight, and I'm going to be sharing it with my neighbours. You see, there's opportunity to speak it from the mountaintops, wherever you are. You've got Christmas coming up. You've got a service coming up on, on Christmas Eve. Invite people along, not because you want to get your numbers, but because you want to tell them the good news. You want to speak it out. Jesus relates to you. Jesus has come to rescue you. Jesus has come to give you rest. And let me tell you, we've got a, we've got a society that needs rest right now. They're pretty tired. Try to, try to be something we're not. But Jesus says, I can make you something that you are. <laughs> Children of the living God. But can I suggest to you the song, Go Tell It On The Mountain? Christians know it. Speak it out. Enjoy it. <laughs> You've got a great lot to tell from the mountain. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app. 